Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Encounter Church. We're glad that you've decided to join us for worship today. We are in a series called Splinters and Stones. You may have heard the old expression, sticks and stones. This is kind of like our play on that one. We call it Splinters and Stones. We're talking about the power that words have to shape and form or to tear down. We call it Splinters and Stones because we believe with every word that you say, you can either deal a splinter of the cross in hope, restoration, redemption, or cast a stone of condemnation, a stone, a word that tears down instead. So today, specifically, we're talking about those words that build up. And so what I want to do is to start off with like the big thing this morning is to try to get us as a community or maybe people that you share this message with to never, ever again come down with a case of foot-in-mouth disease. Some of you know what I'm talking about when you say something. As soon as like you say it, it just, you, you want to like go back and grab it out of the air and stuff it back inside. Or as soon as you hit send on the email. You wish you could jump into the internet like Wreck-It Ralph style and like pull that email back before anybody else sees it. We're talking about this foot and mouth disease where you just like say something and you regret it. And we're trying to figure out a way how to speak with fewer regrets. Guys, some of you have regretted making that, uh, making that statement that I think you only, you only make once when you're in a circle of people or maybe just meeting somebody for the first time and join, they join the circle and you're d- lull in the conversation. You kind of just can't help it. You blurt out, hey, and, and when are you due? And I don't want to call it like a pregnant pause because it's clear from that point on nobody in the conversation is actually pregnant. Right? But it's just like, oh, it's painful and it's cringy. And she says, like, do for what? And it's like, oh, I think you only make that mistake once, hopefully. And you learn from it. These are the foot and mouth disease, like living and speaking with so many regrets. We're trying to avoid that. For me personally, I have this thing that, that comes from somewhere inside of me. Like, I don't know what, but like, I need to get credit for like all the housework that I do. So, like, I know, I know that the amount of things that I do around the house, like the cooking and cleaning and yard work, the list of things and how long that takes me. And I know when you compare that list to my wife's, I know that there's way more on hers and more hours on hers than there is on mine. So I'm trying to, like, like level these things out a little bit. And so instead of doing that with action, I try to do that with my perception, try to do that with my words. And it's not a winning strategy. I wouldn't recommend it, but I'm telling you that there's a way to empty the dishwasher and nobody in your house even realizes it. And there's also a way to empty a dishwasher where everybody in your house realizes it. There's a way to do it so that your neighbors are like, oh man, Dirk is probably really working hard over there. At least it sounds like it to raise that perception. There's a way that I like to do my wife when she walks into the kitchen. I try to like hurry and pick up a few things, you know, shove everything in the dishwasher and try to like jam it closed. And it's like, hey, look, you know, hey, honey, uh, Looks like somebody cleaned up around here. Do <laughs> you know who that was? And she's like, did, did, did you clean the kitchen? Did you want credit for that? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it doesn't work. It's not helpful. It doesn't get me that what I'm hoping to do, it doesn't raise that perception at all. It just comes off as petty. It's as words that just don't build. And so what you need from me this morning is not my insights or not my wisdom. We need something so much better than that. And so we're going to go to a place in the Bible where God shares these words to never say something that you regret again, to, to only speak with words that build. And I also want to tell you this morning that that the power here is so significant, is, is so life-changing and transformational that uh, I love this quote that somebody shared with me one time. They said, you will only grow in your effectiveness in life if you grow in your effectiveness with words. 
Because essentially all of the relationships that you have, the relationship that you have with your boss, your employees, your teammates, all these relationships really with your people that you live with, kids, whether they're little or whether they're grown, really that's just based on, that's just built up on your and your words, the words that you share with them, the words that you stop and listen to them speak to you. It's all about those words. If you want to grow in effectiveness in life, you've got to grow in your effectiveness with words and deal with words that build, not tear down. And so you don't need my wisdom. You need, you need two things. You need to hear these two questions or this two-part filter to run all of the words through so that you don't speak with regrets. And they're not my, there's not my filter, not my two questions. They come from the Bible, from the book of Ephesians and specifically. So I want you to turn with me there. Let's invite you to, to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And we kick it off in verse 25, and it starts off with just one word. It starts off, therefore. And so I want to I tell you that anytime you come to a therefore, you got to ask yourself, like, what's it there for, right? And three years in seminary, Greek and Hebrew learning, and that's what I came out with. And now it's yours. You know, you're welcome. Uh, you ask yourself, like, what, what, what just happened? What's it there for? In this case, Paul, uh, the apostle here, Paul is writing to this church in the city of Ephesus, the Ephesian people that lived there. More broadly, we got to understand for what's coming up next that, that Paul was a guy who just couldn't stand Christians. He hated Christians. He, he jailed Christians professionally. So if you're like watching this because somebody said, hey, maybe it'll be helpful or maybe you could use this or they bribed you with lunch to watch this or something like that. Uh, and you don't like Christians and you hate Christians. You have good company because you've got Paul. And Paul couldn't stand Christians. In fact, one time he was on the road. He was traveling to the city in order to jail more Christians. And then he met Jesus. And you guys, like, it's so, it's so important that we get this. It's so critical that we understand this is that even though Paul couldn't stand Christians, couldn't stand the idea of Christ. Christ never stopped loving Paul to death and back. In fact, on the way to jail more Christians, Jesus meets him and says, like, Paul, why do you hurt me so much? Why do you persecute me so much? And he had this like huge transformational moment. And Paul went from the loathing and despising Christians to actually building up the church. Paul goes around to kind of the Mediterranean world all around the sea there. And he's just planting new churches in all the largest cities. One of those fourth largest city in the Roman Empire, the city of Ephesus. And then later on, he checks on them. Because what's true is that even though transformation takes place, and Paul lived this, they still needed encouragement along the way. They still needed these reminders to live into that identity along the way. And specifically now this morning, Paul, he lays out for them the gospel and says, don't forget not just who you are, but whose you are. Therefore, and he's got some words for him, and continuing on in verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak, I love this, truthfully to your neighbor, for we all members of one body. I just want to like pause and hang out here for a second because for some reason in that Jesus community, Paul found it necessary to remind these already believers in the church to speak truthfully. <laughs> Do you think maybe like in that particular Jesus community, they needed to be reminded not to lie? They needed to be reminded to speak truthfully? Do you think maybe in this Jesus community today, we still need to be reminded to speak truthfully, not to lie. Somebody comes up and asks you, hey, um, 
how's that project coming along? You, you, you should be pretty well into it. Are you finished with it yet? Yeah, 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 almost. Almost got it started. <laughs> I'm almost done. Are you? Uh, when, when, when am I going to get the, uh, the shipping notification? It should be any day now, right? Yeah, yeah, you're going to get it Friday, I promise. Will you? It's kind of like these half-truths, these, these lies that we share around more often probably than we care to admit. I found a box you know, sitting in the, in the back of the car. Like, how much were those shoes anyway? Oh, it was a fantastic deal. They were on sale, only $70. Were they? <laughs> for, for both shoes, <laughs> laces included? <laughs> on sale, rounded down? Maybe. What did, uh, what did you guys do last night uh, after the movie? Well, we just, you know, went back to her house and um, just watched TV for a little bit, made some popcorn. Anything else happen? Maybe. You see, that's like what we're talking about today is we're talking about like those, those half-truths that we tell. We're talking about those things that Maybe we don't want to fill out the rest of the picture because it might be embarrassing, because it might be incriminating. Uh, can, I, can I just like, I get back up and just maybe share some, some words with somebody, anybody who's like starting off on something new. You know, whether it's a new relationship uh, that you find yourself in, whether it's, um, whether it's a new job or maybe it's a new position within the same company, a new, new world of relating, dealing with people, probably a lot over Zoom now, right? I want to talk to anybody who's like starting off uh, anything new. I'm talking to like the ninth grader or, or tenth grader who's just starting off in high school for the first time a second time because the first one turned out to be online school. Anybody who's starting off in something new, can I just ask you to consider the wisdom of, of not becoming a good liar. Like, don't, don't get good at lying. You're, you're going to find that it's easier than you think it is. And you're going to find that, that lying is, is, a, is a tremendous tool for making short-term gains. You know, and maybe that's controversial for, like, you know, a pastor on the stage to say that, hey, lying is a great tool for short-term gains. But it's true. I mean, you can get out of all kinds of awkward or messy situations. Like, hey, why are you late? I'm sorry, there was like traffic. <laughs> it's a great tool for short-term gains. Um, yeah, you're going to get it any day now, I promise. Last quarter, we were up 15%. I mean, it's a great tool for short-term gains. I'm telling you, it's a horrible, it's a terrible strategy in the long run. It's a great tool for short-term gains. It's a terrible long-term strategy because like, Lying, it, it half-truths, spinning it. It, it, it doesn't quarantine well. Like it, like, it bleeds out into other things. Because if you might just tell the half-truth about something or spin something a, a certain way or exaggerate a certain way, it, it's like you get a reputation. It bleeds into your reputation. You get, that, that you get known as somebody who's, who's a half-truth teller or who's a spin doctor, who's somebody who exaggerates, you get, just like, I don't even know. Somebody, um, somebody isn't going to call you out on it most of the time. If they call you out on it, it's probably because they love you or care about you. Chances are, what's going to happen, they're not going to call you on it. They're just going to kind of like avoid you, which is so much worse. Because you never know that they're ignoring you or avoiding you or trying to go out of their way not to deal with you because it just kind of like it sticks on you, lying. It, it, it doesn't 
it doesn't quarantine well. So this is what, what I'm asking you. Uh, the filter to run two things. If you want to, to not have regrets with your words, to use only words that build, just ask yourself from Ephesians 4, the first thing is just that, is it true? Is what I am saying true? In, in the words of uh, my father who made a career in the criminal, uh, criminal justice system, he's, is it the whole truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth? So help me God. Is it true? Okay, if it's true, Dirk, like I can hit them with it, right? I mean, as long as it's true, I can just like let them have it because it's the, it's the truth, so help me God. If it's true, I can send them the text message. I might just put a little emoji after it to soften a little bit and just to let them know we're just kidding around, having fun. But like if it's true, if it's true, I can just add that two-word sentence like just saying and then just say whatever it is that I want to, as long as it's true, I can clobber them, right? No. Is it true is number one. Continuing on in Ephesians, uh, we move on to verse 29, same chapter. Um, do not, he says, now do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, which I love that phrase unwholesome because it's so polished and clean in English as we read it now in like a leather-bound fancy Bible. But for them, this unwholesome talk meant like stinky sandal. It meant rotten fish. It meant like fruit that was turning and going bad. You think like a date or an apricot that's been left sitting out. It's fuzzy. It's moldy. There's something moving on the inside of it. It's disgusting. Don't let that come out your mouth, he says. It's like a gate. You have the power. You have the control to open or close, to keep it in or let it out. Don't let that stinky sandal rotten fruit come out of your mouth, but, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen, only was helpful for what? For building others up. Uh, two kind of statements that we're coming back from. Uh, we want to live with, uh, with fewer word choice regrets to stuff those things back in before you hit send, before you post that thing, before you speak. Number one, is it true? And number two, is it helpful? Is it helpful for what? For building someone up. That sounds like a, as a nice thought, right? Yeah, it's uh, helpful. Yeah, got to be a nice guy about it. Hey, I'm so glad, you know, you're with the company now, but um, could you think about coming to at least one of our Zoom meetings at some point? I know you don't love them, but honey, I'm so glad that you have friends that you get to go hang out with at night. But do you think maybe that you could come back um, at some point that evening before the sun rises the next morning? Yeah, is this even going to work in the real world? Uh, notice something, though. He doesn't say you have to be nice about it. Paul, in many cases, throughout the letters that he wrote, he wasn't a very nice guy at times, but he was helpful. Some of you are going to hear this as an encouragement to, like, turn it up. Uh, turn up the heat of the people around you in order to be helpful. You're going to need to say things that you're uncomfortable with saying. Why? Because it's true and because it's helpful. They need to hear you say it. They need to hear you come from a posture, I love you, I support you, and this thing has got to change because that's helpful. Is it true? Is it helpful? It's not just nice. Um, the image, uh, the image that he uses is uh, for building. It's a, it's a construction metaphor. 
And I think there's some real genius in what he does there. He, he, he conjures up this picture of like a construction yard. And he's like, every time you enter into a conversation, uh, you enter into a conversation and there are some tools laid out there. And those tools are your words. And he's like, you're going to reach for something. And I'm telling you how easy it is to look around the construction yard and to find simply tools of destruction. You're going to reach for the, the sledgehammer. Now, you can use this to build something, um, but not only this, right? Because when you grab a hammer, everything becomes a nail. As so you grab the sledgehammer of your word choices, and you, just, and you just start swinging away at everything left, right, and center. And you'll find that it's so remarkably easy to just tear things down. But it doesn't work very well to build someone up. So right now, as we're talking about the words that build, the posts that build, the email that builds, I'm just, I'm asking you to consider, uh, to, to audit your construction yard of the language that you use and say, do you have just like one tool that you keep coming back to again and again and again? And is that tool a constructive element or is it destructive? You just can't help but take everybody else down around you. And looking back behind you, there's just, there's a wake of broken relationships, of lost friendships, of churches that you used to be a part of until somebody said the thing and then you had to get out. I just want to recognize that it's so remarkably difficult to build something beautiful when the only word tool you're using is a sledgehammer. Okay, where do we go from here? What are these, uh, what are these true, helpful, what are these words that build? <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> we continue on in uh, Ephesians, verse 30. Uh, oh, and by the way, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, don't, don't make God groan. Don't make God ugh. Don't, don't make God say, oh, why did he do that? Why did he say that thing? Why, why, did he, why did she take a swing with the hammer when it wasn't something to destroy, but it was something to build up? Why did they just undo everything that I've been trying to build? Don't do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Just get rid of it. It doesn't mean just like put it on hold or check it. No, no, it just means like to, to, to stuff it in the dumpster, take it out to the curb, wait for the truck to come by and take it to a place you don't know where it goes, but it's buried and you'll never see it again. Get rid of this stuff. Because you want to know why we say the words that we do with the sledgehammer? We want to know why we do the things that we do in the destructive power of words? It's because deep within us, there's like this, this bitterness. Somebody hurt you. Somebody hurt me. Deep within us, there's this anger for, for, for not getting what's mine, not getting what's coming to me. Deep inside of me, there's this malice that wants harm to come onto other people. It's sin. It's inside of us. It's in our hearts. And it finds a way to come out. And so Paul's like, you got to get rid of that stuff and do that tough work. Otherwise, it's going to find a way out every single time. And when you can do that, we finally get to verse 32. Now, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Be kind and compassionate. These words that build, these words that heal instead of harm, these words that stitch up rather than stab. These are the words that build. 
I just, um, a kind of compassionate words. <laughs> I'm torn, right? I would love for some of you to hear this message, for all of us to hear this message and to be convicted with finding someone who is starved for that building word. I would love for you all to radiate out from this time together and find a kid, find a, a civil servant, find your, your neighbor who's also taking out the trash the same time you do. And so you kind of meet and say hi across the street every single week, same time, same day. I would love for you to find that person who's starved for a kind word, a compassionate word, and to offer that to them and just in a way, like build them up. I think our community will be transformed if we make this like a regular rhythm. But there's also like this other element that I got to like, words that we think are helping, words that we think are building. And it's just, it's not. I guess parents, like I'm looking at you specifically in the way that you're like working and dealing with your kids, especially maybe because you've been spending a lot of time with them and the frustration and the anger and the malice, that bitterness, it starts to like build up and it spills over on people who don't deserve it. And so like, I want to tell you, parent, that like sarcasm does not toughen them up. It will only seek to toughen the relationship, the connection for you guys to have later on. Sarcasm doesn't toughen them. It just makes it tougher to connect with them. I want to tell you that like name calling of any kind with coworkers or in the family setting, neighbors, friends, anything, name calling, it doesn't, it doesn't build them up. It just builds that identity, that name, that label. It just builds it into who they think of in their self-image and who they are. Sarcasm, name calling, a forever statements. You always, you never, these things do not end the conversation or move it forward in a helpful or productive way. It only lengthens the argument and extends it on and on and on. These things we think might build and they are not helping. They're not true and they're not helpful. They're not kind. They're not compassionate. They're sledgehammer words and they only take others down. Now, as you have that encouragement to go out there and use a construction word, a use a building word, to use a kind, compassionate, healing, helping, stitching up kind of, kind of vocabulary, I want to recognize that that thing that's inside of us, that change that, that Paul experienced from the inside out, there was no amount of, of introspection that was really going to allow him to come to that conclusion of a complete and radical heart transformation, in fact, a heart transplant. No, instead there had to be a donor. So for those of you who are Christians, for those of you who are, who are struggling and would like to speak with fewer regrets, words of affirmation, words of building, Listen to that last line one more time. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, and we'll finish it this time. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, if you're struggling and if you want to do better, and if that thing comes out and you wish it was different next time, and you want tomorrow to be different than yesterday, if you want to speak with fewer regrets, what you need is not to just work harder next time, or to practice a couple more tips, what you need is complete and utter heart transformation 
a heart transplant from the inside out. And so you might use those helpful tools of asking yourself again and again, those words that Paul wrote to the church like I'm sharing with you. Is it true? Is it helpful? But even more beyond that, what we need to hear again and again is that while we were sinners, church, while I was a sinner, while I used my words to dig myself in a hole again and again and again, it was Jesus Christ who stepped down from heaven to pull me out. While I was a sinner, while we're sinners, Christ died for us because while I was on the road of using my words again and again like the sledgehammer, it was Jesus who never stopped loving me, never stopped caring for me, never stopped committing to me to death and back again to life. Church, if you're ready to make that commitment to Jesus, to respond to him, we would love to celebrate with you. Leave it in the comment section below. Send us a direct message, an email, if you're curious at encounterchurch.org. We are ready to celebrate with you because God is changing lives from the inside out. And today, he's changing the words that we're using to build up those around us. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we acknowledge this morning you're on the move changing lives, changing hearts, changing us from the inside out. God, I pray that the language that we use, words of compassion, words of kindness, words of healing, words of hope, words of restoration, are going to be the overflow of that. God, we can't fix, we can't get rid of the bitterness, the, the malice, the anger. We can't do this on our own. Jesus, by your grace, you teach us we don't have to. Jesus, in this, we pray in your resurrected name. Amen.